You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Good morning. How are we doing? My name's Rich. Um, I'm one of the leaders of the church here. Uh, it's my privilege to pick up straight after Steve and come and talk about prayer. Um, so we've been in this fantastic series as a church called Transforming Prayer, and I have absolutely loved it. Um, I'm loving being part of a meetup, so the idea is that we do on a Sunday a sermon about prayer and then we pick it up, that topic, uh, on our midweek in our meetups. And I've loved being part of a meetup doing just that. The pattern is carrying on, so today we're talking about a topic about prayer and then in our meetups this week we're going to be discussing it further. We're going to be going into it deeper, which is going to be fantastic. We've got four meetups left this season, so this week and then three after that. Actually, the next three Sundays, we aren't going to preach about prayer. So the meetups will carry on for another four weeks. We've got uh, a guest speaker, which is going to be exciting. We've got Mother's Day, uh, which we're going to focus on then. Let me just give you a little bit um, of of color to Mother's Day. We are doing our biggest Mother's Day ever as a church. Um, It's going to be a service which is fantastic for celebrating motherhood and family. And it will be relevant if you bring people who are Christians or if you bring people who aren't part of Christianity or part of this church. It's just going to be a fun for everybody celebration of motherhood. So come along. If you're a mum, bring your kids. If you're a grandma, bring your grandkids. Uh, Bring your mums and your grandmas with you. It's going to be a great time. I think this week just gone in the meetups, um, we were looking at a topic about crisis, about how you pray in a crisis, and I thought it was one of the best, looking at, well, why it's important to pray in a crisis, but also how can you do that? How do you see the wood for the trees when you're in the middle of a crisis? And uh, that's been really, really powerful for me. Uh, If you want to today, using this book, we've got on page 165, a page for the weekend sermon notes. This is bonus session, so I'm Pleased to be here as your bonus session. Um, God repeatedly promises in the Bible to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers. So, for example, in Jeremiah 33, we read, Call to me and I will, not might or not if I'm in a good mood or if I'm having a good or bad hair day. I will answer you. That's amazing. God promises to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers. So God answers every single prayer. But that's not to say that he answers every single prayer in exactly the way that we would like him to answer the prayer. But it is an answer. So no is an answer to a prayer. God promises he will hear our prayers and answer. Wait is an answer to a prayer. In a little while is an answer to a prayer. In my way, not your way, is an answer to a prayer. But God never leaves a prayer unanswered. Not every prayer God says yes to And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we've called today's talk, When God Says No. And we'll look at why and what next. How do we work that out? It's a little bit like when we're talking about crisis midweek. For some people in my meetup on Monday, they got a crisis that they were thinking about there and then. For other people, they've been in a crisis or they might be going into a crisis. And so it's, it's preparing them for next time. But as we mature as Christians... I just want to suggest that a topic like this morning is important. The Bible talks about maturing and growing up as Christians, not just eating very simple foods, but starting to go for some real weighty meat. And having a good theological understanding and a grounded, robust understanding of what it means when God says no is something that we all need. We will all have prayers that are answered yes and prayers that were answered no. Talking of maturing as a Christian... 
Actually, God says no in the Bible to a lot of heroes of the faith. So if you get God saying no to a prayer, it's not a sign that you are some sort of junior believer. Abraham, God says no to. Moses, Daniel, Job, Elijah, Peter, Paul. Jesus has times where he prays, but his prayers weren't answered exactly the way that he asked. So we're in a topic today that is helpful and will help us mature, but it's also emotive, emotional. I can't help but feel that in preparing this, there are people in the room for whom unanswered prayer is a huge thing right now. The season you're in, the moment you're in. It can be not just emotive, it can be confusing, can't it? It can be frustrating. Isn't God loving? Isn't he all-powerful? Why is my request denied? It can be a heartbreak or a heartache. Why do some people get miracles and others don't? Why would one couple pray for a child and conceive and another pray just as sincerely and not? It's a topic that we want to look at properly today. Not just lightly or flippantly, but really look at. And so we're going to look at it, soak into it. And I recommend, especially if you're in a tough moment today, take notes. Go to your meetup this week. Be honest, be vulnerable, and find people there to help. So if you're up for it, we're going to look at some reasons why God might say no. But we're also going to look at this key thing of what next? How should we respond as mature believers? Let me just pray. Father, we don't want to look at the Bible and come to a topic like this as if it's apart from you or aside from you. You are here, God. You are here as we look at the Word. As we show words and verses on the screen, you're going to bring them to life for us. So we pray. Give us maturity and wisdom. Grow us up as Christians. But we pray, God, do it in a sense that we are close and growing ever closer to you. Amen. Okay, so there are some mysteries to a topic like this, and there are some obvious things. So let's look at a few obvious things to start. We're warming our way into some of the heavyweight theology. So two people can pray for the opposite thing. God's not going to be able to give them both a yes. I've got allotments in the house that Kezia and I live next to. There's allotments just next to our house. And I tend to think, if I'm praying, God, give me a really sunny day so me and Kez and the kids can go out and enjoy the garden, I know for a fact those allotment people are praying, give us loads of rain for our crops. And it's only one street. We can't have rain and sun all day in both. If two people are fervently praying for opposite things, one of them is going to get a no. It's just common sense. I may or may not have been praying in Champions League football world this week that Man United would come back from a first leg deficit against PSG. God may or may not care about that, but it would be possible for people on opposing teams of a sport to pray, God, give us the victory today. One of them is going to be disappointed. So some people pray fervent prayers and they're opposite things. It's also true to say that sometimes we might pray and we're essentially asking God for somebody else to do something good that I think is good. And it's really common sense that that's not the way that God works with you, is it? Does God force you and force your hand and make you behave well? Think of it this way. Someone comes up to you five past 12 with a coffee in their hand and says, I've just been praying recently. Great, good to know. I've been praying that God would force you to fall in love with me. I think, okay. At this point, I'm quite glad that God isn't just a slot machine or isn't just a genie answering every prayer exactly as the person has asked. Because, well, God's not going to force me to fall in love with you. God doesn't force our hands. We know 
the Bible teaches we're not robots or puppets. There's an element of wisdom, and God doesn't just, he's not really in the business of just overriding us and making things happen. So that's an obvious thing. We also pray for the sick as a church. We pray for the sick as a church. Uh, I pray for people who are sick and they've been healed. And I've prayed for people who are sick and they've not recovered. But if we just start with some obvious stuff, if every person who ever got prayed for got healed immediately and permanently, no one would die. So if you're a good prayer, every person you ever prayed for around you would stay living for all of eternity on this planet. And that's not part of God's plan, is it? So we have to just say, okay, sometimes when you pray for people, they won't recover. We are meant to live forever. If you're somebody who doesn't, who's new to church and wondering what that means, I'm looking forward to living forever. That's a genuine promise of the Bible, but I'm not looking forward to living forever on this earth as it currently is. At one point, the prayer for someone to be healed isn't going to be answered because everyone dies at some point. So those are some obvious things. Feel warmed up? Should we start to look at some mysteries of God? Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those unexplainable things, some of those maybe more emotional, more difficult, theologically heavyweight stuff about when God says no and it just seems unexplainable. So you might have asked a legitimate request and it doesn't happen. You might have said or currently be saying, I don't get it, I don't understand it. And especially when there's a deep longing in you for your prayer to be answered exactly the way that you see the solution being best, it can be really heartbreaking. We're going to unpack some possible reasons. And we're going to look at three, which I think are strongly supported by the evidence of the Bible, not just three ideas. But here's the thing. There are probably hundreds or thousands of reasons that God legitimately would say no to a particular request. Here is a word of caution. A word of caution about this next section of the sermon. As a church, it really, really matters how we look after each other and how we look out for each other. That's part of the reason we're doing meetups, to unpack some of the prayer stuff in our lives. And so we're going to give you three reasons. I'm going to give you three reasons today that I think should be helpful for you personally in thinking and processing unanswered prayer. But I do not want you to use these three reasons with somebody who is in pain. The idea here isn't that you go and make an assumption that the reason their prayer hasn't been answered is one of these three things. The reason I say that is that we don't know why God says no to everybody. It could be none of the reasons we look at today. And for the person you're talking to, it's presumptuous for you just to walk in and say you know why. And the more I've looked at this, the more I've thought, actually, an explanation for somebody in pain isn't the same as a comfort, is it? So somebody in my family could die this afternoon, and I could 100% know the reason. But that's no comfort. That doesn't comfort me in my loss. Understanding why something happens doesn't make it easier, although we often want an answer, don't we, why something bad happens. That's not the same as saying that having the answer will comfort someone. Um, the Bible even talks about this caution. And so Job is the kind of the richest man in the world, the Jeff Bezos, is that you say? Amazon owner of, the, of his day. He loses everything in, a, in an instant. He loses everything that means something to him. And he's got three friends. And his three friends initially, they show up and they shut up. And it's great advice for us as believers. 
Sometimes when someone's going through something real tough, just being there is what they want. Not opening your mouth, but just being there. Showing up and shutting up is some good biblical advice. But then you know things go wrong in the story of Job because his friends start to talk. They start to open their mouths. And to be honest, this can be a problem for us as well, opening our mouths at the wrong time. And so when we're talking about unanswered prayer, don't be the kind of guy who goes and sits with somebody and says, right, let me tell you about why all this is happening. Because that's just not mature. Actually, God even says at the end of Job, what you've done wrong here, friends, is this. Show up and shut up. All right, there was the little caution. Let's explore three reasons that are supported by the Bible that God might say no. First possible reason. God says no when he has a bigger perspective This might sound obvious, but the more we get into it, the more we realize there are layers to what we can see and what God can see. I've got a friend, believe it or not, I've got a friend in London who is into photography, and I'm trying to get into photography a bit this year. But the thing about his photography is he goes to really, really, really high places and takes photos from a bird's eye view. And I'm quite scared of heights. So here's an example of a photo. You can see this person's feet and that they're looking down a long way. I'm never going to take this type of photo. But what he's got is amazing view, this amazing perspective. And I started looking at other photos on a website that he shares photos on. And I've got a few others here of amazing bird's eye perspectives. So we'll just, we'll cycle through some of these. So this is a nice one. Go through the next ones. Sometimes having a perspective that's fresh, that's different, that's a bird's eye view means you can't just see different levels of detail and more information But you can sometimes even see what's going to happen next because you can see the bigger picture. Here's the thing. God sees the whole picture and we don't. Our perspective is limited. His is awesome. God can see the future. You can't. God will always see more than you can see in every situation, whether that's something just around the corner or something in 10 years' time. He knows the implications of every decision. And Hebrews 4 puts it this way. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. So sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer the way that you want because he sees what you don't. Here's the funny thing. He sees the implications of the decision that you're asking him for. He sees the implications for you and for those around you. So what if you're praying, oh God, I pray for good and for the benefit and for the blessing of this person around me. And then what you're praying for actually ultimately contradicts that. It's not going to be for their benefit, but you don't know. God sometimes is protecting and looking out for people you're praying for by saying no to your actual request. There's no doubt from the teaching of the Bible that if you could see God's perspective, you would pray differently. There is no doubt about that. And he loves you too much to give you everything you ask for. And his no might be for your protection. You just don't know now. Mature heroes of the faith have no's in Scripture. So we're not just talking about theories now. When we look at each of these three reasons God might say no, we're also going to look at a person and how the narrative of the Bible is that sometimes God doesn't explain why he doesn't answer a prayer but he's with people when they pray, and God says no. So my best example for this one is Daniel. Daniel is going to be punished by a king, and we read about him being an earnest prayer. He doesn't want to die in a lion's den. I can tell you that for sure. The story doesn't say, so Daniel was like, here's my version of the plan. I'll go in that lion's den. 
So from his perspective, that seems the end of the story, the bad news, the worst outcome. It doesn't seem the right answer. And God kind of says no to his prayer of keeping him out of a lion's den, sends him into the lion's and puts him in a position where he seems in the moment to have lost. But then he stops the lions from eating him. God's got a bigger story, a more powerful result, a heftier miracle for Daniel, because God sees the whole thing. So the first reason is that God's got this bigger perspective. Second is this. God says no sometimes because he has a better plan. A better plan. Not just a different plan. Not just his alternative plan, but a better plan. I might say, uh, God might say, I intend to answer your prayer, Rich, just not the way that you want it answered. I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to say yes, not necessarily in the way you want me to say yes, but in the way that I want to say yes. Ultimately, you could sum that up as God's got a better idea, a better plan for you. I don't know whether you have believed us when we've said God isn't a slot machine on stage over the last few weeks. You still sometimes be like, God, just give me this now. But God's got all the options in the world, every option available to him in how he answers your prayer. He's not forced to answer one way. Isaiah chapter 55 says, For my thoughts, this is God saying, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Like I've said, we're not just going to look at some theory, let's look at some narrative. So you've got three Hebrew men who defy a king, who decides to throw him into a giant fire pit. And God's leaving them there thinking, you know what, our plan would probably not be a fiery furnace. If it, if it was about the, you answering our prayers the way we want them answered, it wouldn't include flames. God, you don't seem to get it because we're in the flames. But what happens is he lets them go into a fiery furnace and walks through the furnace with them. They're untouched, they're not burned. When they come out, the ropes that have tied them down are burnt off. Because God's got a better plan. A better plan. Not just an okay plan or a similar plan, but a better plan. I read someone saying this week in that story, you think about it, and they've gone in to what seems like the worst case scenario in their life, and they come out of it. It's, the verse before says they go in tied up. They come out of it free. And it's almost a picture of saying, well, through something you're not able to see all of the answers for, you might even find freedom having walked through it with Jesus. It's not always the way, but that is certainly biblical. We might say, all right, I'm in debt. Okay, I'm in debt and I blew it. And God, I need you to bail me out. And what options has God got? He's got any option, yeah? Our preferred way is often the easier way. So we say, God, just transfer me the money, please. But how can God offer that prayer? Well, he could increase your income. Or he could decrease your expenses. That feels like something an accountant would say. I'm an accountant. When we pray, we often don't just tell God what we want, do we? We often say, this is what I want, and this is exactly how I want it. Like, step by step, follow my plan, please. Virtually, always, we're offering him the way that's easiest for us. But what he's saying is, why don't I use the way that's best for you? And it's different, isn't it? Easier or best Often it's a way that includes us getting more of the giver 
and not just the gifts. We've said lots of times, God is looking at you, saying, you know what? I'm going to help develop godly character in you because that will really benefit you in the long term. I'm not just going to try and develop comfort in your life because believe me, God's saying, believe me, that won't actually help you going forward. So he's got a better plan, not just a different plan, a better plan. And when we look back, if we're really true to ourselves, we can often be glad that God didn't answer some of our prayers the way we asked. If you've ever been to a school reunion, you ever been to a school reunion? There can be an element of looking around thinking, hmm, God, thank you you didn't answer every single one of my prayers when I was 14 or 15. You might look you know, at a guy and think, yeah, when I was 14, it seemed a great idea to ask God to marry that person. But he's not as hunky or as awesome or as much of a hero as I thought he would be when he's grown up. Now, I want to tell you a bit about mine and Kezia's story. Just to point out, I wasn't a hunky hero even when I was 14 or 15. So I'm not talking about myself. But honestly, I look back and see that God had a better plan in a time when I was pretty annoyed that he didn't have my plan. Uh, so I got to a point when I was about 21, I wanted to leave my hometown. And some of you here know Bedford, and we're in Bedford, but I'm not there now. So I can say I really wanted to leave my hometown, and I got a couple of options of places I could go to learn a little bit about church leadership and theology. And I said to God, here are two options, yeah? This one's really good, and this one's really good. So just tell me which one you want. And remember really clearly over a few weeks, God's saying to me, I tell you what I want you to do. You can guess. Stay in your hometown. And I was like, it was this or this, God. I'll just keep repeating those options until you give me one. Um, Elsewhere in Bedford at the time, and maybe a little bit, maybe a year or so later, Kez um, was at the same church I was at, and the way she tells the story of us getting together is that she started to have some feelings for me. It's a good start to a romance story. But... Um, we were in different friendship groups, and we didn't really know each other. We weren't hanging out. There were a number of reasons, practically and culturally, that it didn't look likely that the two of us would be together. And so she started to pray fervently, genuinely fervently, God, remove from me the feelings I've got towards Rich. I don't want to be in love with him. I don't want to fall in love with him. I just want to move on. She was going to move to London, and I was going to stay in Bedford, obviously. She was going to move to London, and she just thought, this is heartache, so I'll pray against it. Two of us are praying fervently for our plans, yeah? But what God knew about both of our situations was that if I'd moved away from Bedford, I never would have really met Kez properly. And soon after that, she joined the church band that I was playing in, and we actually had a circle that we were both in. And what God knew about the prayers that she was praying was that God actually was changing my heart to fall in love with her, and that actually it was okay for her to have feelings for me. And it's a very simple example, but I was sure that God had got the wrong plan. And she was pretty sure that what she was asking for needed to be answered in that exact way. But did God just have a different plan? No, he had a better plan. And I believe that. It was a better plan. So adding to your understanding of prayer that a no doesn't necessarily mean a bad plan, but it can be a better plan is important. But also, I'd like you to add to your understanding of prayer that no sometimes just means not yet. So many of the heroes of Christianity didn't get the answer that was promised to them. And at the end of Hebrews 11 we see this kind of hall of faith. That's what somebody's called it. Hall of faith. A hall of fame of great, amazing Christians from the Bible. And we read this. These were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what God had promised. God had planned something better. And so these amazing guys, even they didn't see the answers to their prayers in their lifetime. 
Have you considered that God's got all eternity to answer some of your prayers? There are maybe 7,000 promises in the Bible specifically to you if you're a believer here. But God's not limited to 80 or 90 years on earth to answer them. And the third possible reason, before we look at how we should react, the third possible reason, as well as God having a better, a bigger perspective, a better plan, is that God often has a greater purpose in your prayer. Paul is a good example of this. So Paul's real dream was to go to Rome. And he thought, if I could just go to Rome, I'll change the world. I'll preach the gospel in the capital of the world, and it will send ripples through history. And if you know about Paul, he did go to Rome, but in a prison. And so he's thinking, God, you just have missed my purpose in life. You didn't realize I needed to be in the Colosseum to preach. And God's saying, you know what a greater purpose would be? Sit in this jail cell and write the New Testament. You see the ripples of the New Testament through history in God's great plan of salvation. And you realize it was a greater plan than Paul originally had. Which do you think had a greater effect? Paul cruising in and preaching in a Colosseum or writing the letters that we study today? God's never made anything without a purpose, and that's true for you. God's not made you without a purpose, and funnily enough, he won't let your prayers interfere with your purpose. He's got a greater purpose. He doesn't owe us an explanation for why he doesn't answer our prayers, and that's something a mature believer tries to get to know over their life, is actually God doesn't owe me an explanation anyway. But he has already explained that he's got a great purpose for your life. So that's something to hold on to. We make bad choices. Other people around us make bad choices. And God turns to us and said, that was pretty dumb. But I'm not going to let that get in the way of my purpose for you. I'm not going to let it get in the way. If we appreciate that God's got a great purpose for us, then actually we realize we don't need an explanation for the yes or no of prayer to be happy. We can be happy that he's got a purpose. It's, it's true of some churches that there's a ministry started or a, an outreach started in that church because of an unanswered prayer. So you hear of people who wanted to have a child and prayed earnestly and couldn't and start an adoption ministry or fostering ministry that has a greater purpose. People get saved. A community gets changed. And it was an initial, seemed like a no, didn't it? Other times, people might pray, God, heal me from this addiction. And then they start a, some sort of recovery ministry And dozens in some churches, hundreds or thousands of people meet Jesus because of an unanswered prayer. Let me tell you this. Whatever you feel like you're in at the moment that feels like the end of your story, just let it be an end of a chapter, not the end of your story. God's got a greater purpose for you than you would even believe. All right, so God's got a bigger perspective, a better plan, and a greater purpose. What next? You get a no from God. What next? I'm going to talk about three things, and I'm going to say that the the warning we had earlier on about this not being useful when you sit down with somebody isn't true of these next three things. I want to encourage us as a church that these are three ways that we can respond, three healthy biblical ways we can respond when God says no, and they're not just things that we want to hold in our own heart, but encourage each other to do, encourage in each other's lives. So the first is this, we need to trust that God does everything in love and in goodness, We were singing, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. If God says no to you, that's a great song just to be singing. You're a good father. God does not do anything, including answering your prayer with a no, because he's unloving. Everything God does is always for your good. And Romans 8, 28 says, in everything God works for the good of those who love him. 
And it's in everything, in everything, in the good and the bad. We can have doubts, can't we? Let's just be real. We have doubts when God says no to some of our prayers. We can feel, God, you don't love me. You don't care. I thought you could do anything. I thought you loved me. But actually, we don't even need to understand God's answer to our prayer to understand that he is motivated by love. And whatever is going to happen next is because he loves us. We can relax knowing that God has our best interests at heart. His love is true for you today. You are loved by him. It's who you are. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And that's so helpful to encourage each other. You've had a no as an answer to prayer, or maybe just a not yet. I tell you what, that's motivated by the love of God for you. You're loved by him. The flip side of relaxing into that truth is resisting it. And I felt like God brought a picture to my mind in preparing this just yesterday of somebody who set up a tent. I'm no good at camping, so I won't tell you how to set up a tent, but this idea that Actually, as a result of an unanswered prayer, it could be God's got plans and promises and things you might do, but you've got a no from God and you've decided, I'm going to resist you now, God. I'm going to resent you now, God. And that type of thing can be for years. It can be for a whole lifetime, a sense of, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop here. I'm not going any further because you answered me no. And setting up a little tent and sitting inside your tent and, unzip- and zipping it up and being like, yep, that's me done. And that could be describing you spiritually this morning where you've just stopped because of an answer to prayer. What I feel like God wants to say to you is he wants to hear this little zip of the tent this morning because he's got great stuff for you. If you can just accept and grow and surrender in your heart a sense of I want to oppose you for saying no and just say, God, I understand it's because you love me. You're motivated by love. So the first thing we should encourage each other to do is just trust the goodness and the love of God. The second is this. We should pray Jesus' prayers. And if you don't know what I mean by Jesus' prayers, I mean when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he dies, he sets this beautiful crystallization of what unanswered prayer and fighting in prayer looks like. So he starts off, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows he's going to die. The next day, he's not just going to die. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be shamed. And he starts off in Mark chapter 14 by praying a prayer. And he starts off by saying, essentially, God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through this. And that's okay for you to pray. And that's okay for you to encourage someone in your meetup to pray. God, I don't actually want to go through this. Jesus prayed that. Divorce, sickness, pain. God, I don't want to go through this. That's what Jesus prays. He says, if it's possible, take this from me. If it's possible, take this from me. That's also an okay prayer to pray when you feel like you're getting a no from God. If it's possible, take this from me. I don't want to go through this. But he then says, Abba, Father, all things are possible from you, for you. And you think, well, that's a perfect model for us. Father God, I know all things are possible for you. This is a Jesus prayer. And then he says, Not my will, but your will be done. And if you encourage anybody to pray and to seek God around unanswered prayer, that is the sentence you want them to be praying. That's the encouragement you want them to give, is to get to a place where you say, not my will, 
but your will. It's such a helpful prayer that Jesus walks through. More than what I want, I want your purpose, your plan, and your perspective. So we should trust God and his goodness. We should pray a Jesus prayer. And then we should expect him to help. And I just loved Abby coming up here and just describing how God was present as a help in a time of difficulty. You can trust God to help you, especially if you're trusting him with his will to be done. So you can say, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your power. In 2 Corinthians 12, we read about Paul. And Paul has got this moment where he says in, in 2 Corinthians, Are you, I'm praying. I have prayed for something. His thorn in his side, something to go away. And God just isn't answering my prayer. He's being real about it. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in my weakness. God's power is made perfect in your weakness. So trust God that when you're weak, he'll help you. I'd like to raise your faith that God hasn't finished with you if you've had an unanswered prayer. If he said no, his grace is sufficient for you. He won't be giving up on his purpose for you. He won't be giving up on his plan for you. You won't get a yes to every one of your prayers. And frankly, you ought to be glad that that's the case. That some of them will know answers when we get to heaven. And some of them, for now, we're just going to say, God, I trust in your goodness. God, I'm going to pray your will be done. And God, I'm going to expect you to turn up in this situation. And I believe he will. If God said, if God never said yes to another prayer in my life, I still actually owe him my life. If God never said yes to any other prayer in my life, I still wouldn't be alive if it weren't for him. If God never said yes to another prayer in my life, I still owe it to him that I'm going to spend eternity with him with all of the answers to all of the prayers. Everything God has done for me, he's shown me that he loves me. He's got a great purpose and a great plan. I think that's true for you as well. So I'd like us just to come to God for a minute and bring our hearts Father God, we thank you for your great perspective. We trust your great plan. And we believe that you have got a greater purpose than even we know. For any of us here who have resisted you and resented you because of unanswered prayer, we just start to open that tent today. We just start to say, God, I trust you. Teach me to trust you. Teach me to see your goodness in this situation. Help me to see your greater plan, your bigger perspective, and your great purpose for my life. Father, I want to pray for all of us here who have resented and turned in some ways from you because of answer prayer. I just want to pray for each and every one of us you would give us the strength to start again today in the great plans and purposes you have for us. Amen.